0: All right, I'm glad you're here today, and welcome uh, very much. My name is Randy. If I haven't met you, I'd love to do that. Uh, if you're online, thanks for joining us. And uh, if you're here today, which uh, so many of you are, thanks for being here. And uh, we encourage you. I know that the issue of when to come back is a tough one, uh, but I encourage you to pray about that. If you've not made it back to our services, pray about it. I feel like that we are doing a, a pretty good job of uh, you know, controlling Uh, access and uh, distancing and all that. So uh, we hope that you do come back. But uh, wherever you are today, thanks for joining us today. Uh, We're going to continue our series called From This Day Forward. And, uh, you know, I've noticed over the last few months that uh, marriage is some tension there. My favorite meme, uh, maybe I told you, from the last few months uh, was actually about marriage. And uh, the guy said, "Uh, my wife and I have a game we play. It's called, why do you do it like that? He said, the only problem with it, nobody ever wins that game, you know, because that's kind of how it is. Uh, Sometimes we get on each other's nerves, and the last few months have been kind of challenging on us relationally. In fact, i am told that the number of people that are filing for divorce was 34% higher this year, the same period from 2019. It seems like the combination of being stuck at home uh, with stress, unemployment for some, financial strain, physical illness for some maybe some mental illness that's shown itself, homeschooling children, and more and more has really kind of put a significant strain on a lot of relationships out there. And the uptick came in what health and human uh, service professionals called the disillusionment phase of a disaster time. And that's when disillusionment is when optimism kind of turns to discouragement. When you kind of say, this is not going to be over really fast. You know, it's going to drag out a while. When stress begins to heighten and negative reactions often occur. And while, you know, uh, disasters always bring some disillusionment, life itself does, marriage also has some disillusionments and many of us will experience that. And so for a few weeks, we wanted to take some time and just talk about uh, marriage and relationship. But I also said that even if you're not married, this is going to be good. This could really be great because all of this is dealing with just relational stuff, uh, dealing with your children, be- dealing with other people. Even though marriage is unique, some of the things we're going to talk about are pretty important. And the, the topic today could relate in any and every relationship. We're going we're to talk about how to fight fair, how to be fair in the way you have conflict with people. So the reality is this works anywhere. If you're single, if you're divorced, if you're married, widow, uh, wherever you are, this is probably going to be relevant to you. And for those of you who are married, uh, I really encourage you to think about these five commitments. I'll tell you about it in just a second. If you are not yet married and you look to that someday, this is a great way to plan to think about what do you want your marriage to look like. And so last week we began and we said that the first commitment is to seek God to seek God, how important that is. We talked about the importance of praying together, uh, just spending time. We said that if you're in a dating relationship, being able to pray with one another is really important. If you can't pray together in dating, it's gonna make it ch- challenging in marriage. And also, we t- then we talked about sharing God's Word. What is God teaching you through His Word? And then we talked about um, worshiping together, the importance of uh, just g- setting down together and worshiping and, and hearing and processing what God may be saying to you. We talked about giving and serving together, how those were an important part of, of building a strong marriage, and then we talked about sharing Christian community together, in other words, being with other believers and connecting with them, and how it kind of gives us some synergy, pulling from other people's experiences and their, their marriages and their strengths for our own and so today we are going to talk about how to fight fair. Next week is going about how to have fun in marriage and then the week after that, we'll be staying pure, and then the last week will be a challenge to never, ever give up. So, the five challenges, seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, and never give up. Let me ask you this, for those of you who are married, how many of you have ever had a fight with your spouse about something really, really dumb? Dumb. All right, all of us have. My hand's up, you might say. I asked Lori the other day, I said, Lori, what is the dumbest thing that we ever thought about? I mean, at the moment, those seem to be like huge things. We could not even think about any dumb things we've thought about, but we've had several of them. I will tell you that. There's no doubt about it. That's how insignificant they are on this side of them. But you know what? Sometimes the things that you think are dumb, sometimes the things that you minimize are really big issues to the other person, so it's always a dangerous thing to label something dumb if you're having a conflict about it because it could be a really big deal. Let me ask you another question. How many of you ever got into a fight on the way to church? Yeah, how many of you got on a fight on the way to church this morning? Nobody's going to admit that, right? You know, Lori and I have a foolproof way that we never get into a fight on the way to church. You know, uh, if you know me, I love to be able to come into the, the, the service without any conflict. I don't want to… I don't want to disagree if you got a problem with me wait till after church or sometime in the week just don't hit me before church and so it's never good to have a conflict on the way to church so we have a foolproof way we drive in different cars and it it works it's great it's also because she comes for second service but it, it really has a dual purpose as well but you know what for many years i have to tell you we struggled in our marriage we had conflict we're very different people. We love each other uh, very much. We celebrated 38 years of, of marriage in May, and that's awesome. But you know, yeah, we're, we're excited about even 38 more, possibly. Um, but you know what? I'm glad to say that it's really true that we don't deal with that a lot anymore. Now, we still disagree at, about times, but we kind of figured it out. I mean, 38 years is a long time to work on something, and so we kind of got it figured out. And uh, But when we fought, We look back, we did not fight fair. We did not fight fair. So, you know, maybe today we can talk about how to have a good fight if there is such a a good thing. You know how it is when you don't fight fight fair, you know, and and you know you're not being fair to the person, but you don't really care at the time. I remember one time that we were in conflict and in frustration, I said, you know what, I can't win. Ever feel that, I just can't win. And Lori was so sharp and so quick, she said, is that what you're trying to do, win? And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to win. You know, then I'm backing up. You know what? I was lying. I was lying because, yes, of course I was trying to win. Who goes into a fight that you don't want to win, right? So when you go in and and you want victory, you want to win, there's always going to be some conflict. Every now and then i meet a couple who say they don't fight. And I just assume they lie about other things as well because, you know what, everybody fights. The reality is that all couples fight. Why is that? Because we're human beings because we're sinners, and because we're sinners, we our sin is going to lead us to do sinful things against other people. And the person that we can hurt the most is the person that… that we care about the most. So, the reality is that all couples fight, but healthy couples fight fair, while unhealthy couples fight dirty. And you know how it is to fight dirty. You know, the jabs below the… the belt, the deep jabs, you know where it really hurts, the undercuts, the cheap shots, the accusations the passive-aggressive stance that you take uh, in in a fight. So here's what I want you to know is that healthy couples fight for resolution, but unhealthy couples fight for victory. Unhealthy couples fight to win for the moment, but healthy couples, they really fight for resolution. If it's worth disagreeing about, let's try… just try to figure it out. Let's try to work toward a a common solution that… that works for everybody. You see, God knows that we're going to have conflict in our relationships. That's the fallout of the fall of mankind. There's going to be issues in every relationship. And that's why I said this relates not just to marriage, but, you know, with you and your parents, with you and your kids, your siblings, your coworkers, and everything else, because while the relationship's a little more intense in marriage, the common problems come in every relationship that we have. It's a fall, uh, it's, it's fallout of man's fall from the grace of God. We're going to struggle with one another. But you know what? God can give us the strength to fight fair, and we can find resolution in the battle. And we're going to take our Scripture passage this morning from James chapter 1. James chapter 1 says in 19 and 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, so here's the reality is that we're all going to get in issues and we're going to have times that we say things and we're going to lash out at people. But, but here's some great advice about dealing with our anger and our frustrations. Great advice for couples, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Can you think of any better advice to give people about inter, uh, interpersonal conflict? And you, can you think of any better place than in marriage for it to be applied? So we're going to take that verse of Scripture, we're going to break it down, and look at three rules, how to have a fair fight, how to have a good fight, all right? So here, here we go. First of all, when you're in a fight, we need to stop and listen. Stop and listen carefully. Why? Because we oftentimes don't listen, especially in the heat of the battle. James says, be quick to listen. Now today, when we're in an argument, we're quick to speak. We're quick to respond. We are quick to defend ourselves. We're quick to argue back. We're quick to attack. We're quick to make our point. And many times we really aren't really listening at all to what the other person has to say. You know, we're we're not we're not listening. We're not trying to uh, figure out where they're coming from. We're thinking about our own next thought and our own next argument. We're formulating a quick response. We're trying to think as quickly as possible so we can land our own blows, right? And I have to admit that I'm not a good listener. I'm not a good listener for two reasons. Number one, it's because I'm a man, and men oftentimes don't listen. I'll be honest about that. We don't listen. Uh, but also because of, uh, in the last few years, my hearing has gotten worse. It really has. And these masks are driving me crazy because it just feels, sound, I hear just mumble from people. So uh, speak, speak clearly. But my hearing has gotten worse. And honestly, sometimes I don't even know if I don't hear or I'm not listening. I don't know which one it is. But I will tell you this, when Lori corners me on it, I always blame my hearing because I can't control that, you know. Um, I don't want to admit I'm not listening. But the reality is that many of us do not listen to the other person, whatever they're saying. We, we just don't listen. We're, think, we're, we're rushing ahead to our next thought. Proverbs chapter 18 says this, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, they don't want to know, a fool says, I don't care what you're saying. Listen to me. I want you to hear my opinion. And this is what we oftentimes do in fights. We don't really care what the other person is saying. We, we know what the outcome should be. We just are trying to figure out how to get there. We don't care what they're saying. We want to be heard. We want to make our point, and we want to win. But the Bible says that we're foolish when we do that. We're foolish when we do it. And so I think the very first step to fighting fair is to actually want to resolve the conflict want to resolve it, and not just to win, and not just to even stop fighting. So, if you're kind of a passive type person, and you don't like to fight, sometimes you'll do anything or say anything just to end it, just to stop the battle. But that doesn't resolve it either. So, it's not just trying to stop fighting. It's not just trying to, not trying to win. It's trying to actually resolve the conflict. And also remember that the person that you're arguing with, spouse, friend, child, parent, who, sibling, whoever it is, they're not the enemy. The real enemy and the instigator of all fights is Satan. He does not want you to slow down and listen. He wants you to rush. He wants you to say things that are hurtful that can never be uh, forgotten or or pulled back. And I'll tell you one way to slow down and listen is to repeat back to your spouse or the other person what they just said or what we just heard. Now, why is it important? Because sometimes what we heard may not be what they said. And, and if we could correct that, possibly uh, in, it would just maybe resolve it very quickly. Have you ever been in a fight with, uh, with your spouse or with someone and you're back and forth and you suddenly in the middle of it, you realize that you're both on the same side. You're, you're really saying the same thing. You're saying it in a different way, um, but, then, but then pride's in the middle of it and nobody's going to say, hey, wait just a second. You know, well, I think we're on the same side. You know, you, it's hard to do in the middle of a conflict, but maybe you realize that You misunderstood what they were saying, and emotions got you carried away. So it's a good thing sometimes just to go back and repeat it back to them, and if you can both agree at least on what you're arguing about, then that, that really gets you a little bit closer to resolution. You can slow it down and focus on the issue at hand. And I also realize that many times the issue is not really the issue. The issue is, is not really the issue. There's something a lot deeper than that. And, and, and before you know it, you're off on some other issue rather than resolving the current one. You're not dealing with one issue, you're dealing with a lot of issues maybe that have piled up over time. So that's why it's important to say, what are we, what are we talking about exactly? Let's make sure we're clarifying what we're disagreeing on. Repeat it back. Once you re- repeat what was said and you agree on that, you know, th- that will help. Now, you may realize, you know, that they're wrong. <laughs> Uh, They really are wrong, and then you have to figure out how how we're going to talk about this. You don't have to agree with the feeling. They may actually be totally wrong, but if you can validate them, at least at the start to resolution, at least you say, I understand how you're feeling about that, or whatever the issue might do. So stop and listen. Don't interrupt. Acknowledge what they're saying, what they're upset about. Validate their feelings. I think many times we just want to be heard. We just want to be heard. Sometimes an issue is not that we want it fixed or not that it can be fixed. We just want to be heard and validated about how we're feeling about that. So the Bible says, first of all, be quick to listen. The second thing the Scripture teaches us is how to guard our words faithfully, to guard our words. It says, be quick to listen, but then be slow to speak, to choose your words wisely. Proverbs 21 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues, keep themselves from calamity. Those who guard their mouths. Wouldn't it be great if we could guard the words we say before they come out? How many things we'd be better off not saying at all, but we just let them come out of our mouth. Again, in a fight, we're oftentimes quick to use our words as weapons. I don't think sometimes we realize how painful words can be. Not thinking about what we say, not thinking about how they're going to be received, and also, not realizing that a new conflict can come out very quickly with the things we say. And, and suddenly, some, it goes another direction. We're tracing, uh, chasing that rabbit as well. Now, so we, when you're in an issue and, and you're thinking about what you should say, a couple of questions. First of all, ask yourself the question should this be said? Should you even say that? Because many times, what you're thinking does not need to be said. You don't have to blurt everything you're thinking out, guard your mind. Guard your heart, don't necessarily say it. You may want to say something, but you know it shouldn't be said, and then you can't take that back. So you ask yourself the question, should should it be said? And secondly, should it be said now? Because there are some things that probably should be said, but not in the middle of a fight, not in the middle of a a conflict. Some other things should be discussed, but not in the middle of, of everything. Stay focused on the issue at hand and fight fair to resolve one issue and then hopefully move in another time. Sometimes maybe you should work on issues when you're not fighting. And and nobody wants to start a fight, right? Hopefully you're not uh, ready to stir something up. But you know what? To be able to deal with the real issue or a conflict when you're not angry could be important. A time when you can actually talk about that when emotions are not running high. It's also a good idea to ask, what are the three things that I do that bless you? You know, that might be a way to kind of wade into a conversation about what's good and what's bad. What are the three things I do that bless you? And and then whenever they answer that, what are the three things I do that would be a greater blessing to you? Which is another way of asking, what are the three things I do that just drive you a little nuts that I could do better at? That kind of gives an opening without it being a blatant way to criticize. Not only do you get some idea what they're thinking and needing, but it also shows that you care. That you care. And you know what? I think a lot of marriages and relationships are just stale because one or both do not believe that the other person really cares for them, really cares about them, what's going on in their life. And so that's, that's important to be able to, to bring that out and to speak those things. Let our words be words of encouragement instead of words of tearing people down in negativity. And by the way, this can also go for those who are dating as well or maybe looking to get married someday because many of the problems in marriage begin even before the wedding. They start way back in the relationship. It's just a symptom. It's just a way that relationships work. And if you can resolve those things before you're married, it's so much better than after. In fact, before you're married, you ought to set some rules for your marriage. You ought to set rules. And so if you are married, you ought to sit down and say, okay, let's, let's kind of put down some rules that are generic enough that work in every situation. Now, you can set your own, but here's some rules that you might think about. Number one, Never call each other names. Never call each other names, unless it's those cute little pet love names you have for each other, you know, Poopsie or whatever it might be, you know. And uh, and even then, don't be sarcastic when you're calling them those names because that that's a negative thing as well. Never call names, number one. Number Number two, never raise your voice. What is it about us feeling like that people can hear us better if we raise our voice higher? It kind of just raises the whole… Uh, tenor of the argument if we get louder. It doesn't help. It doesn't make them understand any better and obviously accelerates things. Take a deep breath and calm down. Also, thirdly, never say never or always. Never say never or always because neither one of those are really true. Almost, Almost never are those true, all right? Number four, never get historical. You know, you heard about the guy that said, every time my wife and I get into a fight, she gets historical. And he goes, you mean hysterical? He's like, no, historical. She brings everything up from the past, you know. So never get historical. Some people are blessed with a great memory for their own personal hurts. They never forget them, and they bring them up in the middle of the fight, and then it just kind of balloons and goes everywhere from there. Don't keep score. Stick to the subject. Number five, never threaten divorce never ever threaten divorce. That is a low blow. That is a very unfair way to fight. Remember that you're never giving up. So don't ever lay that on the table and and talk about it because then it becomes an option. It should never be an option in your marriage. And then number six, I like this one. Never quote your pastor. Never quote me, all right? Never say, Randy said this or that. You know, leave me out of it. Leave your mom and your dad and your siblings, leave other people out of it. It doesn't help when you try to gain confederates about something, all right? So, you know, let it be just you and me, I, I, you and the person. I, don't, don't put me in the middle of it. So anyway, from so James chapter 1, first of all, stop and listen carefully. Secondly, guard your words faithfully. And third, handle your anger righteously. Handle your anger righteously. And, and that's important because usually when you're in a fight, if it, even if you don't start, your anger pretty much comes in in the middle of that conflict, all right? So handle it righteously. Again, James 1, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So the Bible tells us we actually can get angry, even at our spouse, and it not be a sin. It's what you do with your anger that becomes a sin. That's, that's why we have a hard time handling that, if we lash out in our anger with words or actions toward the other person. And it also says, don't let your anger simmer. Deal with your anger. And in fact, you need to deal with it very quickly. If you don't deal with an issue within a couple of days, then you should say it's not important enough to deal with it all. You need to let it go. Don't let that issue just linger out there indefinitely. In fact, what Paul says is, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't go to bed mad. And I've heard of people stayed up for several days trying to obey the Scripture, you know, not going to bed angry. But if you go to bed with an unresolved issue, you just gave the devil a foothold in your marriage. Now, why is that true? Because you didn't talk it out. You didn't resolve it. You didn't deal with it at all. You, you didn't forgive each other. And the next day, the problem is still there and probably going to get bitter because now, uh, bigger because now you both had time to solidify your argument. And you just didn't deal with it. And you went to bed angry. Have you ever done that? Ever gone to bed angry uh, with your spouse? And, uh, and you lay there thinking what you should have said and thinking back about that person and what a jerk they are. Uh, you know, and you're laying there and you're in the fighting position in bed. You know what the fighting position in bed is, right? You're back to back, facing the wall. And, and typically, what I've found in most marriages, people are married uh, the opposite. And so, in many cases, one of those two is going to be a silent fighter. And the silent fighter, how they fight in bed is they don't say a word and they don't even hardly breathe because they don't want to give the other person the satisfaction of hearing them breathe, you know? And it's like maybe they'll think I died. Wouldn't that be what they deserve if I died here in bed and they didn't know it? They would feel so bad because I died. But the other person being different, they're probably going to be a huffer, you know? They're going to roll over in bed, they're going to make a bunch of noise jerk the covers over, go to the bathroom, make noise in there, don't touch each other. Not even toe. You don't touch at all when you're in a fight, right? That's punishment for the other person. Stop poking each other out there, I see it. That's how we fight. And that's why the Bible says don't do that. Don't go to bed angry. Try to get it resolved before you go to bed, before night falls, before another day starts. Because when everybody goes to their corner, division starts. But if we're seeking God like we're supposed to, we realize that our spouse is not the enemy. If we could just remember, this is not the enemy that I'm having this conflict. The enemy's thrilled to death that I'm in conflict, but this is not the enemy. And last week, we talked about how important it is up front just to seek God in our relationships. And when we seek intimacy with God, we can't live in bitterness and unforgiveness. And we don't react with the flesh. We respond with the Spirit. We take a step back, we control our emotions and our pride, and we think about what the objective is. The objective is not to win. The objective is not just to stop fighting. The objective is restoration, to find some resolution and some restoration of the relationship. Instead of fighting with our spouse, we fight for them. And we fight for restoration with them. Fighting for, not with. It's a big difference in how we think about resolving conflict. Let me give you four signs that you may not be fighting fair in your marriage. Maybe some of this is addressing some of the issues in your life. Number one is criticizing. There is a difference between complaining and criticizing, a big difference. And we ought to recognize that. Complaining is, I don't like the way things are going here, and and this is what I don't care for. Criticizing is kind of an attack on the person. It accuses them. It's a critical spirit. It's a real warning sign when you are criticizing and thinking critical thoughts about another person, regardless of who they are uh, in the relationship. That's a bad sign. The second uh, thing is that criticism moves us to contempt. We hold that person in contempt. We are just thinking about what a rotten person that, that they are. You know, they don't have any valuable qualities. We're disgusted with them, we're sarcastic to them, we really dislike them. And thirdly is defensiveness. And defensiveness says, it's all their fault. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be treated like this. And they're never gonna change. And then we begin to demonize that person. And then fourthly is stonewalling. Stonewalling says, you know what? I'm done. I don't deserve this. It's never gonna change. It's never gonna be different. I just don't care anymore. And that's what stonewalling is all about. So criticism, contempt, um, defense or defensiveness, and stonewalling, those are really unfair ways. Great signs that your relationship is not right. You're not fighting fair. And maybe you're there in some of those cases. And if you are, then it's past time to take some action, to take some action, begin to resolve and get some better tactics in how you fight fair in looking from James chapter 1. See, we have to fight fair, and both husband and wife have to be committed to that. Because many times, if we look back, we realize these issues that we're arguing about are not real issues. They're kind of ridiculous. They're not, they don't matter. They don't matter in the long run. And we need to learn to let them go. We need to laugh at them, shake our head at them, whatever it may be. We need to let them go. Now, at the same time, I will say there are some things that you can't let go. You cannot just let these things go and, and, and not deal with them. Things like um, him looking at porn, can't let that go. Things like her being unfaithful, you, you got to deal with that. Or maybe one of you making horrible financial decisions. Maybe someone in the, the, the family has an addiction or abuse in the marriage. You can't just let those things go. Those are issues that you have to resolve. And these principles only work when both of you are seeking God and working together to make your marriage the best it could be. Remember last week we talked about how we both come from different places, but if we're m- both moving and seeking God, we're gonna grow closer together as we grow closer to Him. And that's the goal in our relationship and our walk with Him. And I know maybe it's some of the things we talked about, trying to use a little humor, um, uh, maybe it seems a little simplistic, and I know things can get complex, but if you're both seeking God and committed to fighting fair, then I am convinced that God can bring healing in any and every relationship. God can do that no matter what. Maybe it's time, if you are married and you had a lot of conflict, maybe it's time for both of you to look at each other and agree, you know what, this is not the kind of marriage that we want to have. If you're not happy, you know, when you're fighting, you're not probably not going to be happy, but learn to recommit your marriage to God. And, And I don't care how far it's gone in your marriage, even to unfaithfulness. Even to that point that you think it can't come back, God can help you fix it because nothing is impossible with God. But you have to seek God, you have to have His help because we can't fix things in our marriages. Even the smallest things, we can't resolve. And the big things, especially, God has to help us overcome. And we should want that and long for that. I mean, we want to have greater joy in our marriage. We want to love this person that we're married to and enjoy being with them. We want to look forward to growing old with them. We want to have a testimony, an example to our children about how to overcome adversity in life. We want our marriage to bring glory to God because that's what we're all about, everything we do in our life. There's so many reasons for us to work on these things, so many reasons for for us to live a life that honors God. You know, in fact, regardless of our marital status, seeking God is the the very best thing that we can do. To ask Him to come into our lives, into our marriages, into our dating relationships, into our search if we're searching for someone down the road. And then trying to figure out how do I live a life that honors God and how do I make these relationships that I want to happen, how do I make these the very best that they can be? So my advice is to seek God in all these things. Maybe you're here and you're divorced or widowed I would say to you, seek God about everything you do. Seek Him. Seek His will for your life. Maybe the theme of fighting resonates with you because regardless of your uh, marital status, life seems like a fight. It just seems like a fight with everybody that you have conflict with, maybe your spouse or your family or yourself or God or whoever it may be. And and you realize, and maybe some of the things we've talked about and, and James' teaching, is that you're not fighting fair with anybody not even yourself. And maybe it's time to lay down your weapons of war and to let down your defenses and just surrender to Jesus and ask Him to come into your life in a new and fresh way that you've never had before, to take away that bitterness, that anger, that frustration, that animosity. Because I will tell you that is the only way that we can find peace, the only way. We're never ever going to have perfect human relationships. They're always going to be there because we're all human, but if we are right with Christ and we're seeking him, we can find peace. We can find hope, we can find resolution. And in the end, we're gonna win. We're gonna, we're gonna win it all, we're gonna be victorious and that really is what we're all hoping for. So this morning I would challenge you and uh, some of the things we talked about to think about your relationships, think about your marriage, how these things interact, think about your dating and, uh, and, and how you could make things better all for the glory of God. And think also about Jesus. Think about Jesus. And you know, one of the pictures that we see of Jesus is the warrior, uh, Jesus who came. The Bible says one day He's going to return on a white horse. He's going to be victorious, and we're going to experience that same victory in, in Christ and with Christ.